Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all those that are here this morning. Several that aren't here because of several different kinds of reasons, as was mentioned earlier. And several are not here this morning because of suffering. We have many individuals from this congregation or friends or acquaintances that are going through a lot. You look at our prayer list, and the prayer list is bigger than it's ever been, I think. We just have so many people that are in need of, of God's help that are going through problems and going through suffering this morning. Well, I wonder what God has to say about suffering. Why does God allow suffering? You know, I was thinking about this, trying to come up with a little bit of analogy and some encouragement for us as Christians. You know, uh, here in the valley during the winter, we get the foggy days and we get the overcast skies that just sometimes last for weeks on end. So it seems like we hardly ever see the sun sometimes in the winter. But you know, there have been several times when we will get in the truck or the car and we'll go south on, on I-5 and we kind of get up out of the valley a little bit and all of a sudden we break out of that into the beautiful sunshine. So it's above the clouds that we see the sunshine and you know it's even even times where we got a coat on down here and we get up, up out there in the desert or above the clouds and it's nice and warm and t-shirt weather. And so there's always the other side. There's always the other side of problems. There's always the other side of suffering. And there's always uh, encouragement that we can get from God and, and uh, uh, about the things that we go through in life. Well, why does God allow suffering and tragedy? We see on the news that there are so many mass shootings. There are kinds of natural disasters, earthquakes and, and tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and fires and things of that nature. So why do these things happen and why does God allow them to happen to good people? People have asked me the question before, and some have even claimed that they can't believe a God would allow these things to happen. You know, if God is a good person, they say, and God is in control of everything, if God has the power that he does, then why in the world does he allow bad things to happen, not only to bad people, but also to good people? Why wouldn't he protect them? Why wouldn't he stop things from happening around them that would cause them problems and cause them to go on through the suffering. Well, Job was a man that certainly experienced suffering. The Bible says that Satan took everything from Job. He suddenly lost all his wealth. He had lost his family, his children. He had lost everything. And Satan had accused God of protecting Job. And the devil said to, to God, I'm not going to paraphrase here, that if you take all those possessions away from him, He'll curse you. He'll turn from you. But, but God replied, you can do anything to him, but don't touch him, and we'll see then. After Job's possessions and family were taken from him, in Job the second chapter, verses 20 through 21, then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The
The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then the devil said, well, let me touch him. Let me touch him. Let me get my hands on him. But God said, he is in your hand, but you can't take his life. Don't kill him. Again, Job said, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity also? But Job never asked why those things were happening to him. The closest he ever came was when he said in Job 10 and 2, show me why you contend with me. In other words, why did you choose me? Why did you pick on me? <laughs> you know, why, why am I going through this and not somebody else? Well, Job was sharing his agony and his suffering with God, but he could not understand why he was going through this. But Job, Job's patience in suffering silenced Satan. In Job 2 and verse 10, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. But we still ask the question, why does God allow suffering? If God is God, if God is so powerful, why does he allow it to happen? Why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? Why is there tragedy and disaster all around us? It seems that we hear so much of that in the news today. If you watch the news, which I don't, I tend to try to stay away from all that because it's so depressing. But there's so many bad things going on around us. Why does he allow heartache and sorrow and death, especially to his own people? Why do good people get sick and have these diseases sometimes that are incurable? Why did we go through COVID and lose some of our friends and some of our acquaintances? Why do we have to go through that? Well, we can learn lessons. And you know, with God, in every tragedy, there's always a lesson. There's always something to learn. Whatever it may be, we can learn from our problems in life and we can learn from our suffering. We want to notice a few of those things this morning. First, man rebelled against God. And in the Garden of Eden, a man, man has continued to rebel against God ever since the Garden of Eden. Going through the reading in the Old Testament right now where I'm at, Israel just continually, continually, continually rebelled against God. In the world today, people rebel against God. But this is what started it all. Listen in Genesis 3 and verses 14 through 19. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall have, have rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. 
both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So, you see, we realize from what the Bible teaches us that Satan is the author of sin, and sin is the reason we, why we have suffering and problems, including death today, and all the problems of our suffering, including death itself, is a result of man's rebellion against God. But God has provided a way of escape. We talked about that getting above the clouds, God has provided a way of escape from sin. He allowed Jesus, his only son, to come to this earth and to die as a sacrifice for our sins, died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could have freedom from sin. Man says, well, you know, God, I don't need you. I can live my life without obeying you. God says, well, if you take that position, You'll suffer and you'll die. And man has done that. And man has been suffering and dying ever since he made that decision. And if you continue to separate yourself from God, all you have to look forward to is a loss of your soul and eternity. But God never promised we would be free from suffering. Notice Revelation 2 and verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So he says, don't fear the suffering. You know, we fear many things in life. Uh, uh, but he says, don't fear the suffering, because, you know, even the suffering that we have on this life is just temporal and passing. I believe suffering helps us to focus on heaven and keeps this world from being too attractive to us. The Bible tells us that we are strangers and pilgrims here. Or in other words, we're just passing through. I remember the old westerns, you know, that a guy would come riding into town on his horse and the sheriff would look over at him coming through town and he'd go stop over at the hotel or whatever and the sheriff kind of follow him over there and say, you're a stranger here, aren't you? He was just passing through. That's all we are as Christians. We're just passing through this world. This is not our home. Notice in 1 Peter 2 and verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, excuse me, pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Also 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, in other words, this body, this earthly house, this body is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So what if there was no suffering? We wouldn't want to leave, would we? If everything was just all rosy and there were no pain and no problems, no suffering, 
We would just make ourselves our own little castle. We'd make our own little heaven here on earth, and we'd never want to leave. No one would be have a desire to for our eternal home in heaven. No one would prepare for eternity. Be because of suffering, this world loses its attraction. By the time a person reaches the latter years of their life, they desire to obtain something much better than this life. Because there's so much pain and suffering here on this earth, we look forward to a life free of suffering. Heaven becomes sweeter every day as we get older. We look a little more forward to heaven when we're going through pains and problems and suffering in our life. Because this life was temporary, the pain and the suffering you go through in this life is temporary, and we're looking forward to heaven where there will be no pain and no suffering. But if there was no suffering here, we'd just be fine with staying here, wouldn't we? But God has a plan for us where there will be no more suffering. God has some encouraging words about suffering, and also suffering can bring out the best in people. In suffering, we learn how to show compassion for each other. As we witness tragedy in people's lives, we see things happening within the world. We see people coming to the rescue, if you want to say. We see armies being deployed, the National Guard being deployed, uh, fire and ambulance and, and uh, policemen. And, and all kinds of uh, different entities that would bring uh, clothing and food and financial support. We see compassion in action when there's problems that go on in the world. We see people coming to the rescue. Notice Matthew 25 and verses 35 and 36. Jesus said, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. We see that happening when people are in need, when people are in trouble, when people are suffering, when people are going through things, when they're going through sickness, when they're going through trials, when they're going through problems. There's always someone that seems to come to the rescue. And you know, this congregation is very good about that. When we see a need, there are usually more people jumping to that need than what's even necessary because everybody sees the problem. But it helps us to show compassion to other people when you go through suffering. In suffering, we learn to, how to comfort others. Because something tragic has happened to you or to me, it gives you a greater sense of empathy towards someone else that may be going through the same thing. You say, well, I know how I felt when I went through that or something like that, so I know what they must be going through. You know, there's something that, you know, somebody would come up to you and say, well, I know what you're going through, and you kind of, you kind of say, well, no, you don't understand what I'm going through. But somebody that's gone through what you're going through understands the pain, 
the suffering, the agony, the distress, the, the problems, maybe the depression, maybe the emotional issues that go along with that. They understand that, and we learn how to comfort each other in that because we can say, I've been through this. It'll get better. We learn. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, there's really nothing better than getting comfort from suffering. You know, when we have a toothache and we can put some medicine on it or we can take a pill or we can go to the dentist and get rid of that toothache, there's just nothing better to kind of get to the other side and just go, oh, thank you. The pain is gone. There's nothing better than going through emotional problems, sitting down with one of your friends and having him talk to you and give you comfort from the problems and distress that you're going through. There's nothing better than someone lifting the load. And so when we can help others, when they, we can see that they're going through problems and we can have more comfort for them, in some way, that's good. Well, what should our attitude be towards suffering? First, it should be one of faithfulness to God. We ought to say, God, I know you're in control. I don't understand all the things that's happening right now in my life, but I trust you. I trust you. That whatever comes out on the other end of this, it's going to be okay. Sometimes things don't turn out the way we want, but it's still going to be okay. Even in the end, when we leave this life and we're taken away, it's still going to be okay. Because heaven is going to be okay for us. Second, we can ask ourselves the question, what can I learn from this suffering and how can I minister to the needs of others who are suffering? Thirdly, our attitude in suffering should be to glorify God. People are always going to be watching us when we go through the problems to see how we handle it. They will ask, how is, how is it that God and that Christ is so in control of his or her life, that they can put trust in God. You know, people, you go to talk to Bob. Bob's going through problems right now, but you go talk to him and he's fine. Got a great attitude as a Christian. He's fine with where he's at right now. Now, he, didn't, he doesn't enjoy being older in life and being bedridden, but he's fine. He's at peace. 
and it's going to be okay. That's the way we should glorify God in our suffering. Jesus suffered and died on the cross, but God raised him from the dead. And Jesus now sits at the right hand of God, and he sees our suffering. He sees our life every day and knows exactly where we stand. He knows what's going on. He's got a finger on your pulse. He knows what you're going through right now. Listen to Matthew 6 and verses 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you need all these things. God knows. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He knows what's going on in your life. Well, we also learn to be patient in suffering. That's one of the hardest things, you know, is to be patient. I think uh, I'm the kind of person that likes to get things done. As I get older, it just doesn't seem to happen as quickly as I used to like to get things done. My memory fails to remember to do things and so on. But patience in suffering is not easy. I remember when I was going through my heart problems, sitting in the recliner for three and a half months in that recliner and seeing another day go by. The sun would come up, the sun would go down. The sun would come up, the sun would go down. The sun would come up, the sun would go down. And my patience was running thin. Our patience runs thin when we're going through suffering, but we still have to be patient. We have to be patient in God, for God. Romans 12 and 12, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer. And that's what it takes is a lot of prayer. We should rejoice in our suffering Romans 5 and verses 3 through 4. Let's see here. What did I do? And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribu tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. I want to quote from... Alan, Bailey, Alan Boniface, excuse me, commentary on Romans 5 and verses 3 through 4. And Alan says, The idea is probably not that Christians should exult in the midst of their afflictions. In other words, we don't like throw a party because we're going through problems. That's not it. We don't just say, yay, I get to suffer today. That's not how we feel. More probably, the Christian exults in spite of affliction. No one rejoices because he's in pain or under trial. And Paul is stressing that the Christian's joy in Christ is more deeply seated than the transient affliction of this life. As we say things get better, as we said things get better, 
no matter what we're going through in this life, no matter what it is, the problems, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whatever it is, the tribulation, the suffering that we're going through, it gets better. Maybe not physically, maybe not emotionally, but the Christian that has hope in heaven, it gets better because heaven is better. Patience and endurance and perseverance build character in a person. And through these trials, we can prove, be proved by trial and by fire. First Peter 1, verses 6 through 7. In this you greatly rejoice that now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, our, our hope in heaven is much more precious than gold that perishes, our faith. In James 1, verses 2 and 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, let patience work in you to completion. And the completion is the strengthening of, strengthening of your faith and your trust in God. When we trust in God, then our faith is producing patience. Notice what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verses 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But you know, sometimes good soldiers are treated wrong. Sometimes we go through problems in life just because we are a Christian. The suffering doesn't have to be physical. The suffering doesn't have to be necessarily uh, emotional, emotional distress. We can be persecuted because of the name that we wear, of being a Christian. People can make fun of you. People can ridicule you. You can be put in a category oh, as one of those, you know. Notice 1 Peter and 2 and verses 19 through 21. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? In other words, if, you know, when I was a kid, I got in trouble, I got a whipping, I took it because I deserved it. But I remember a couple of times that I took whippings for my brother when I didn't deserve it. That was much more harder to take, you see. When we got it coming to us, we take it. We understand it. We deal with it. But when we receive suffering, when we receive ridicule, when we, we receive these problems from people out in the world just because of the name we wear, it says, but when you, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. 
We don't have to retaliate. We don't have to get even. For to this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Christ suffered for us. He was sinless. We are the ones that sinned. Christ took the punishment for our sins and he took it patiently. He took it when he didn't, when he wasn't even guilty of it. So when we get ridiculed and we suffer as a Christian because of the name we wear as Christian, take it and give God the glory for it. Suffering makes us more dependent on God. You know, sometimes we think of ourselves as being just self-sufficient, that we can solve all our own problems, that we are the answer to our own problems, that we can fix it, we can fix everything. You know, but when, when the physician comes in and tells you, well, you know, I just can't do anything else. Who do we go to? We suddenly realize how much we depend on God. We depend on God for everything, but sometimes we fail to stop and recognize it until we're in the middle of a major trial and we're, we're suffering. But in the middle of suffering, we learn to pray. We learn to pray and we learn to pray and pray. We continue to pray for God's help because he can help. He can comfort those who are suffering and it gets better. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 11 verses 28 through 30, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I wouldn't want to go through problems and suffering in the world today without having a higher power to listen to me and to go to for help in the midst of those problems. So we can begin to see why God even though he's merciful and righteous, would allow suffering even of God's own people. If we look at the suffering purely from man's point of view, we wouldn't understand why God permits it and why God allows it and why it happens. We don't understand that. But remember what uh, when we look at suffering from God's point of view, we can see he's preparing us for heaven and eternity. we can begin to appreciate why he would allow suffering in our lives. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8 and verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God loves us, and we love God for what he is to us. And even though we have suffering here in this life, even though God allows it to happen to us because of sin, we have a hope of heaven and eternity because of what Christ did for us, that he died on the cross for our sins. We have that hope, and we can find peace. We can find comfort in that suffering. We can find joy, and we can find blessings, and we can find that we can be compassionate towards others. We can help others. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.